This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com. It's been said that all roads lead to God. And this makes a certain amount of sense. In life, there are a thousand different ways to get where we're going. Winding scenic paths, wide, fast highways. We can walk or ride, drive or fly. Wrong turns and detours may slow us down, but sooner or later we make it. We get where we want to go. But there is a flaw in this way of thinking. The path to God is no road at all. It is a person. Glad that you're here. Now, we've been in a series this month where what I've called, Is Jesus the Only Way? And been talking about, is Jesus really the only way to get to God? Is he the only way to get to heaven? And we've laid out our case as to why we believe that to be true. And then, of course, last week we talked about the power of the uh, resurrection of Christ and, and uh, what that can mean in our lives. But today I want to kind of continue on with that thought and talk about the power of the resurrection and its effect upon us now all these years later. So you can, if you have your Bible, you can turn to um, Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at that chapter. And uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, uh, you can watch the screen over my head, and uh, we'll have it for you there. Um, one of the things that I said last week was that the resurrection was God's... Uh, stamp of approval. It was God's statement that what Jesus did on the cross to pay the price for our sin was accepted. It took the resurrection to make the cross powerful. And so what we need to understand is the resurrection is God's stamp of approval that when we give our lives to Jesus and turn over our hearts to him and give him our, our sins and our failures, he uh, forgives us, God forgives us, the Father forgives us because of what Jesus did on that cross. But uh, the, the power of the resurrection didn't stop when Jesus went out of the tomb. The power of the resurrection continues clear up to today, and that's what I want to talk with you about this morning. We're going to look into the first chapter of the book of Ephesians, and actually we're going to look at the latter part of that particular chapter because in there, the Apostle Paul, in these verses, prays a very important prayer in behalf of God's people. And uh, so that includes us as well. In the first part of that prayer, now I'm down at verse number 17, Paul prays that we might have wisdom to see clearly and really understand who Christ is and all that he has done for us, all that he has done for you. Now, one of the signs, I don't have time to get into this verse in depth, but I just want you to see that this is part of the prayer. One of the signs that you are growing in your faith is that you are growing in your understanding of what Christ has done for you 
and what he will continue to do in your life. In other words, you're beginning to understand who Jesus can really be in your life. That this is not just a one-hour thing on a Sunday morning. It's not that Jesus died on a cross, suffered for six hours on the cross, then he died, and yeah, we know all about that and so forth. But no, it's much bigger than that. And one of the ways you can measure your growth in faith is the understanding that's beginning to happen in your heart, in your life, the light bulb's kind of turning on, and you're beginning to understand really what this meant, the condition you were in and, and the condition you're in right now as a believer, what that all means and what it took to make that happen for you. Then in verse number 18, Paul prays kind of what I, I would call a two-part prayer, the first part of it is, is that our hearts, the hearts of God's people, will be flooded with light. What does that mean? It means that our hearts will be able to see, as, as Paul gives it to us in that scripture, we'll be able to see what God is doing in our lives and what he has prepared for us in our future. And then he goes on and prays that we would understand how enriching we are to God. Now, that, I think that comes as a, maybe a little bit of a surprise to a lot of people that God is enriched by us because I think most of us think about how much we are enriched by the power of God working in us. In other words, what Jesus did on the cross enriched our lives so incredibly, way beyond money, way beyond a, a financial gift you could get from anybody. The cross transformed your heart, transformed your destiny, transformed your victory. And so, so we have been made so rich by Jesus, but what Paul is saying here is that we make God rich too. It's a two-way street. We are enriched by him. He is enriched by us. You know, you know, when you stop and think about it, in fact, let me first of all read that in verse 18. I want you to realize that God has been made rich because of we who are Christ, we've been given to him. And so God is, is enriched because we're a part of the church. We're a part of his uh, spiritual family. And, you know, when you think about it, uh, people who are very wealthy, oftentimes there's an, kind of an honor and esteem that comes to them because of the incredible wealth that they have. I mean, um, like this past week, I won't tell you who it was, but I had the privilege of being asked to a lunch with a very prominent businessman in Utah. He actually was down in the Provo area. And so I accepted the invitation and I went down with another pastor and we had lunch. He invited us into his home. And, and it, was, it was incredible. I mean, when we drove onto the campus of his home, it's like, well, I told Carrie when I got home, I, I said, their kitchen was about the size of our living room, dining room, kitchen, laundry room, and dinette area all in one. And that was just the kitchen. And then you, you, before you got to the kitchen, you passed through the great room, what you might call the living room. And we're probably talking ceilings as high as this ceiling, you know, somewhere around 20 feet high or so, 25 feet high. And I walked in, it was this huge big room. And, and they, they explained to us that they have 80 nephews and nieces. They can get them all in there. 
That's how big this room is. Now, you know, when, you ha when you're around people like that, unless they've been dishonest in the way they've accu accumulated their wealth, but if they have, have been honest, have done it uh, honestly and with integrity and so forth and have been greatly blessed, you just kind of like to listen to people and what they have to say, people who are on that level. Not that I want to be wealthy like that or, or expect to be, but, you know, you never know what you can learn from someone when you hear them talk about life and you see the success that they've had in their life. It teaches you, if you're wise, it teaches you some things about living and about influence and about how to touch other people because all of that is a, is a, um, is a factor of influence. And so I was just, in, in, we had lunch with them. It was a lovely time together. And, and they gave us gifts, we gave them gifts. It, it was just a, a, a wonderful experience that we had together in the building of a new friendship. And Paul says that we bring glory and honor to God uh, the same way that person's wealth brought kind of glory and esteem and honor to him. When I walked into his home and everything, I was just taken back by it. Um, the, the esteem that he got we give God the same kind of glory, the same kind of honor, the same kind of esteem because of our inclusion in his family. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here. God has been made rich because of us, because we're a part of the family. So it's not a one-way street. It's a two-way street here. Uh, we've been enriched by him, and he enriches us both. In fact, then in verse number six, a little further up in the chapter, the apostle Paul says, when Jesus Christ returns, we will be to the praise of the glory of his grace. In other words, uh, our presence in, in his family will cause great honor, great glory to be expressed to God the Father because of the incredible kindness that he has shown to change our lives, to welcome us into his divine kingdom. He makes us rich, and we enrich him. Then in verses 19 through 23 of, of Ephesians 1, Paul finds, or ends this chapter rather, with a very powerful prayer. And that's where I want to focus the remainder of this message. And in this prayer... He shows us how the resurrection, which we celebrated last week, still impacts our lives, even all these years later. This is what he says. Let's read it together. I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe him. It is the same mighty power, what? That raised Christ from the dead. Hmm, resurrection tie in there and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heaven, far, far above any other king or ruler, dictator, or leader. Yes, his honor is far more glorious than that of anyone else, either in this world or in the world to come. And God has put all things under his feet and made him the supreme head of the church, which is his body, filled with himself, the author and the giver of everything everywhere. Wow. You know, that, that's what... That's, that's uh, what Paul says he, uh, God wants us to know about. So here's the prayer part of all of those verses. It's verse 19. Paul says here, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe. And from that point in the prayer, through the rest of the prayer, which actually takes you through the end of the chapter, Paul goes on and describes the power that raised Christ from the dead. 
And here's how he, he explains it. Uh, it is the same mighty power, beginning with verse 19 again, that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heaven, far, far above any other king or ruler, dictator, or leader. Yes, his honor is far more glorious than that of anyone else in the world or in, in this world or in the world to come. And God has put all things under his feet and made him the supreme head of the church, which is his body, filled with himself, the author and giver of everything everywhere. Now, going back to the original question of the, these messages that we've been dealing with, is Jesus the only way? We've talked about that. But today, this is the question. What difference does the resurrection may, uh, make in my life today? What does it mean to me today? Does it mean something for us 2,000 years later? And I would tell you that I believe after reading verses 19 through 23, it just... It just is obvious to me that the resurrection can have a, an incredible, a tremendous impact upon your life, but the condition is you've got to understand what the power is and you've got to welcome it and apply it in your life. It doesn't come automatically. It comes as you understand it and you begin to apply it to your life. So I want to talk with you in the rest of this message today about Christ's resurrection and that effect it can have upon you today. The first thing I want us to look about this prayer, it says that God's power is available to help us. I think this is critical to understand. Verse 19, he says, I pray you'll begin to understand this. You got to understand this. Paul is praying that you and I will get this truth way down deep in our spirits. You know what I'm talking about? You got to get it deep down inside of you. It's not like, uh, okay, I've done my religious thing. I come for an hour on Sunday mornings, and I walk out and I have life. No, Paul says, I want this to be so deep. God is saying through Paul, I want this to be so centered in your life that it becomes a, a part of every day and every minute part of every day of your life, that you understand this incredibly great power that's what God wants us to all understand and that it affects, we allow it to affect all areas of our life. Have you ever gone through a time in your life where you wondered if God knew what you were going through or, and if he did, that, did he care? You probably have because that's a very human experience. We, we, even as Christians, we at times in our lives will question, does God know what I'm going through? Does God love me? what's happening in my life? Does God even care about this? It was interesting last week, Carrie and I counseled an individual and, and, and she was talking about some of her emotions at this particular time in her life and her walk with Christ and we listened and when she got done, I said, you know, that's normal. We all go through that. We do, all of us. She thought like she was the worst person who ever walked into a church because she was having some of these feelings and wondering about some things that were happening in her life. And when I assured her, when Carrie assured her that, no, we've been there, there are times when Christians go through these kinds of situations. And, you know, it's, it's amazing how circumstances and how Satan can use those circumstances and how he can trick our emotions and get us to question God's love. It's a time of testing in our life. And this is what I have, I have noticed, what I've learned about myself. Those times can be either uh, times that make you better and pull you towards God, 
Or you can allow those times to become um, times that, that push you away from your faith in God and walk away. I'm telling you, we could never seat all the people that have at one time come to this church and sat in those seats but have walked away from God today because they went through something. If they were all to come back, we, could, we would never have enough room to seat. That, that's how the effect that the enemy uses tough circumstances, hard times to push people away from God. But it doesn't have to be that way. Sometimes it can be a stepping stone to growth in your faith. But here's what I want you to understand. You are the one who makes the decision of which one it will be in your life. Are you going to let that uh, derail your faith or are you going to let that be a part where you start to trust God on a deeper level and then you start seeing his favor and his blessings come into your life. So you decide which it will be. No one else can do that for you. And I have seen it go both ways, folks. Some, I, I've seen them get very bitter, and I've seen some get better, both going vir through virtually the same thing. But one person decides, I'm going to learn to trust God deeper, and another person walks away from God and says, well, if God can't do this or that for me, then I'm, I'm not interested anymore. But what I want you to understand is you are the one who determines which it will be in your life. Now, there are two parts to this prayer in verse 19 that I want to highlight. First of all, Paul says, I want you to know the incredible power of God. He talks about the incredible power of God. And that's what he wants us to understand and to experience. Now, the word power here comes from a Greek word. The Greek word is dunamis, not that you care a whole lot about that, but I think you'll see that we get some English words from the Greek word dunamis. I don't know if it reminds you of anything, but words like dynamo come from this word, and dynamite come from dunamis, all right? So you can see how English is, in this case, really tied into the original Greek. So Paul is saying that he's praying that we will understand the dynamite power of God. He doesn't want us to understand how to be more religious. He wants us to understand the dynamite power of God. Another time that same Greek word, dunamis, is used is in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Jesus has risen from the grave, and he's been on earth for about 40 days in his resurrected state, and he's about ready to go back to heaven. Just before he leaves and ascends back to the Father, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he tells his disciples to go to the upper room and begin to seek for the power of the Holy Spirit because he says this is what will happen. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that word power there is the same Greek word, dunamis. So Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit working in you is the, is the way that we connect to the power of God. So when we're talking about the power of God, what we're really talking about here is the Holy Spirit who comes to live within us when we are born again, when we are saved. But upon us, he comes in greater fashions constantly as we grow further and further in our relationship with him. So when God's power works in your life, it will have a dynamic dunamis effect upon you. It will have a dynamite effect upon your life. Hallelujah. But what does God's power actually do? Let me share with you what I, I have observed the power of God doing in the life of the believer, what I think is scriptural. Number one, it will give you an assurance of your salvation. There are times when we get saved and we feel like we have been changed. We feel the presence of God. I'm here to tell you that there will be times in your Christian life that you won't feel 
like it anymore. The feelings come and go. I thank God for feelings. I, think we got, I thank God that we can have joyful feelings. But it's not one continual state of, yay, hallelujah. I mean, some people are, but we look at them a little strangely. <laughs> and because r real life is not like that, right? Real life is, is us recognizing that we go through ups and downs emotionally. How do we stay focused and centered on Christ during those times. It's the assurance that comes by the Holy Spirit dwelling within us and the power of God inside of us. Another thing that the power of God does, number two, it makes you an effective witness. We can't change a person's heart. When I was praying this week for this service right now, I was saying, God, you know every heart and every life that's going to be there. I can't change one of them. And you can't change me. Only God can do that. We need God's anointed. It's not a slick presentation that changes anybody. It's the anointing of God's spirit in power working through us. Number three, he will give you gifts to minister to others. The power of God will give you ability. And you say to yourself, oh, there's nothing I can do for God. When you get saved, God begins to bestow spiritual gifts inside you. If you allow those to grow, you can do incredible things for God that you never thought you could do before. Hallelujah. Number four, it'll give you the ability to overcome temptation. Aren't you glad for that? Maybe you have battled and fought against certain temptations. I want you to know that there is victory for you because of this power of God that resides within you because Jesus was raised from the dead. Number five, it'll make you effective in your prayers. Romans chapter 8 says there are times we don't know how to pray like we ought to. But he says in verse 26 or 27 that the Spirit will pray through us with this incredible speech. And, and it's what we believe to be the, uh, the, the gift of speaking in other tongues and praying on a level that we have not known. We, and we can't communicate just in our known language, but we pray in this spiritual, this divine language. Uh, uh, language. And he says, when we do that, it always is the will of God, what we're praying for. And, it, and it's a powerful way to increase the prayer effectiveness that you have uh, with, uh, with the Lord. And then number six, it will give you an awareness or a sensitivity to the moving of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit through your life. Like sometimes we don't know, should I go through that door? Or should I go through this door? Should I stay? Should I say something? Should I not say something? You know, what is, what is your will, Lord? And God will, through the Spirit, he will make things known to you that this is the way. This is what I want you to say. This is the time. Now is the time to do that, to deal with it. And it's the Holy Spirit that gives you that direction. But it's the power of God, ultimately, that makes us overcomers in Christ so that we can become victors instead of victims. I mean, sin makes you the ultimate victim. Jesus makes you the ultimate victor. Hallelujah. But you have got to understand that that is true and this incredible power is available to you. And then one of the keys to this is you got to believe it because that's what Paul says at the end of verse 19. This is available to those who believe it. You got to believe it. You got to have faith for that. Now, the second part of that prayer in verse 19 is this. It's, Paul says, his power is to help those, there, there you have it, who believe him. And I want to focus on this, this word help. God's power has a purpose in your life, and it's not to hurt you, and it's not to dominate you. Man, I'm afraid if I sell out to God, he'll make me do something I don't want to do. I'm here to tell you that's not how he works. 
He is here to help you become more than you ever thought you could do, or be, rather, and then you'll end up doing more than you ever thought you could do. Because you're more than you ever thought you could be, you'll end up doing more than you ever thought you could do. That's how we grow in Christ. So whatever you need from God, he's got the power that you need. You need forgiveness of sin? You're living with guilt? Jesus has the power to help you. Do you need healing in your sick or diseased body? Jesus has the power to help you. He's got all the power you need. But it's important that you understand uh, that when you accept Christ as your Savior, that you maintain an open power linkage with God. Because this power linkage can be severed by foolish conduct on our part. And that's what happens in far too many believers. You get the Holy Spirit comes to live within you when you accept Christ as Savior, but the power never happens much in your life because you're doing things that are circuiting the Spirit of God from working in your life. Now, I'm telling you this because I'm seeing way too many who claim Christ as their Savior still living like they did before they accepted Christ. There's been no change. And some of you are mad at me already because you say, well, that's very judgmental. Uh, it's not judgmental, it's, it's observation. It's observation. Here's what I want you to understand. When we give Jesus our hearts, our hearts are supposed to change as we grow in Christ. So the things that we used to do in our lives in sin, we don't do them anymore because our heart has changed. And our desires are not, I mean, we always had the flesh pull us towards some of that stuff, but we have the power now through the Holy Spirit to say no to the flesh and for God to change our hearts so that we don't have the desire for that kind of thing like we used to. It's, it's just like when Carrie and I got married. Do you know that I didn't keep dating other girls? I, I know that's a shock, but I quit dating other girls when she and I got married. Why? Because my heart changed. It's not that I didn't think other people were fun to be around or interesting individual, whatever. It's just that she had me in a way that no, no one else would ever have me. Why? Because my heart changed for her. And that's the way it should be in serving God. We don't say we love him with one hand on one hand and then on the other we go around still loving the world and doing everything that the world and our, all of the ungodliness and the, the unrighteous things, that, the sinful things, the things that are destroying our lives. We don't keep doing that. If we say we love God, we bring a change. Listen to what God thinks about that in 1 John chapter 2. He says, do not love the world or anything in the world. Now, the word love here means influence. Don't allow the world to influence your, your morals, your values, your ethics. Okay, that's what he's talking about here. Because listen, if anyone loves the world, if anyone does allow that to happen, then the love of the, the influence of the Father is not in them. So this is a really important thing. So I'm not saying that you have to be perfect because nobody's perfect. But I am saying that you need to see change in your life. You need to see growth. You need to let Jesus rule and reign in your heart. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Amen. It's all right. It's all right. 
I'm fine. I can handle it. I'm fine. All right. Number two, I want to say this to you. God's power to help us is the same power that raised Christ from the grave. So let's read it again, verses 19 through 23. It is that same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heaven, far, far above any other king or ruler or dictator or leader. Yes, his honor is far more glorious than that of anyone else, either in this world or in the world to come. And God has put all things under his feet and made him the supreme head of the church, which is his body filled with himself, the author and giver of everything everywhere. Look at that. He's the author. He's the giver, giver of everything everywhere. And he says that his body, which is the church, which is you and me, are filled with that. We're filled with that. Thank you. We're filled with that in our lives. This is a transforming thing. So that's the connection to this resurrection that happened 2,000 years ago and to us living in 2017. You know, a lot of people, they think that, they can't, that, that God can't help them. They think that maybe they've gone too far, too far away. And even if, if God could change them or help them, he wouldn't want to. If you only knew what I did when I was, when I was younger, if you only knew what I was into last month, and a lot of people, they think because of that, that God can't help them. But if you feel that way, I, I, want you to, I want to tell you, you couldn't be more wrong. You're believing a lie from hell. His power, God gave power to Jesus, which burst him outside of that tomb. And he did it for one reason, to put the seal of approval upon the cross, but also to make available this incredible power into your life in 2017. You can be a different person. Sorry for getting so excited. I just think this is amazing. Uh, so not only can he help you, he wants to help you. You know, and I've heard people say, I'll, I'll never be able to overcome my addiction. I'll never be able to have, I'll never have a stable marriage. I'll never get that promotion. I'll never have health return to my body. But the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that's available to help you overcome that addiction, to, to uh, receive that healing, to get that promotion at work. Listen, if God can raise Jesus from the dead, he knows how to move in the heart of your boss to show you favor. It can happen. Now, it's the same word that the angel gave Mary when, when he came and told her that, that uh, she was going to be the mother of Messiah. And the first question Mary had, the obvious one, was how can this be? I've never been married. I've never known a man. I'm a virgin. And that's a fair question. But the angel cleared it all up. And this is what he said, Luke 1, 37. It'll happen because nothing's impossible with God. That's, that's the, the, the factor here. Nothing is impossible with God. And then Mary kind of said, in effect, I get it. Let God have his will in me, you know. How is it that God can take a person who's been broken to pieces by sin and then take those same broken pieces and, and put them back together again and make something beautiful out of that individual? How in the world can that happen? It happens because nothing is impossible with God. If, if you read the rest of Ephesians 1, uh, there in those verses, Paul shows us what God's power is capable of doing. Not only did God's power raise Jesus from the dead, but verses 20 through 23 
says it seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heaven, far, far above any other king and ruler or dictator or leader. Yes, this honor is far more glorious than that of anyone else, either in this world or in the world to come. And God has put all things under his feet and made him the supreme head of the church, which is his body filled with himself, the author and giver of everything, everywhere. You say, man, you've read that like 10 times to us this morning. Why are you reading it so much? I want you to get it. I want you to understand it. I want it to breathe in your soul. So God's power, what he's saying here, burst Jesus right out of that tomb. Do you know that God didn't have to roll the stone away for Jesus to get out? He rolled the stone away so that an unbelieving world could look in and see that there was no body in there, that Jesus was God. It was gone. God's power burst Jesus out of that tomb and it rocketed him to a place of superiority far above any other power or ruler or king or dominion. And when Jesus rose from that grave, it put a nail in the coffin of Satan's plans. Neither he nor his demons could stop the power of God from transforming Jesus into a place of ultimate honor. Now, this is what I want you to see. So great is this power that we're talking about. As God's people, we can now use Jesus' name to accomplish God's will, and Satan is powerless to stop it. Amen. Satan's powerless to stop it. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. You can ask anything, and he will do it if what you're asking for is according to the authority of Christ, and if, it is, if what you want and what you're asking for brings glory to God. I want you to know there's no temptation that is greater than Jesus' name. You can say to that temptation, no, in the name of Jesus, and it has to stop. There is no disease that's greater than Jesus' name. There is no addiction that is greater than his name. There's no financial crisis that's greater. There's no power of hell against your kids or your grandkids that's greater than his name. And there is no plan of man that is greater than the name of Jesus. In fact, Revelation 11 tells us the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and forever. Mr. Putin, Russia is not in charge. Who, whoever is, is overseeing Iran these days, Iran is not in charge. I want you to know that ISIS is not in charge. There is a God in heaven who raised his son from the dead who will have the last word. Hallelujah. And that last word, it's given for us in Ephesians chapter 2, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Hallelujah. Give me one minute more. What difference does the resurrection make? Simply this. Jesus has overcome every ruler, every authority, every dominion, and every power. They're all under his feet. He is the head over everything. And this is what I want you to get. You and I as believers share in this victory. Let me close with these verses out of Ephesians 2. But God is so rich in mercy, he loved us so much 
that even though we were spiritually dead and doomed by our sins, he gave us back our lives again when he raised Christ from the dead. Only by his undeserved favor have we ever been saved. And he's lifted us up from the grave into glory along with Christ where, get this, we sit with him in heavenly places. What are you talking about? I'm sitting right here in this room. Only part of you is sitting right here in this room. When Jesus became your Savior and Lord and you allowed him to start ruling and reigning in your life, you have been transformed up into the heavenlies. You are up there in a place of authority and a place of victory. If you are a follower of Christ, you already sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And what I want you to hear is that Satan is under your feet. Hallelujah. Just like he's under the feet of Jesus. He's under your feet. And that's what the resurrection did for you and for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to Jesus. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.